Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. Let's get right to it. I want to talk about some of what's happening with the Supreme Court and abortion and a leaked possible ruling and the Dobbs case that arises out of Mississippi. But let me start this way. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I'm pro-life. You know, absolutely, uh, you may know my own story, that I was almost aborted, my mother uh, not down and out in any way, but having had uh, stillbirths and miscarriages before I was born, was told by a doctor that she should let him take me, uh, meaning in an abortion. Uh, She was talked out of that by some nurses and some nuns at St. Francis Hospital in Columbus, Georgia, and I instead was carried to full term and born. So therefore, I started life with a story uh, that turned me against abortion. I believe that the child in the womb is a child. And I am horrified by the fact that in some states in this, these United States, uh, that a child uh, just a day before it would have been born naturally can be taken from the womb and crushed to death. I don't want to be too graphic here, but I'm horrified by what abortion means in this country. Now, having said all that, and for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know my strong pro-life stance, you know my story, you know what I believe. But I, I want to, in the wake of what's happened recently— Talk, speak as though I uh, speak a bit more objectively about Roe v. Wade. Now, you know why I'm bringing this up. The Supreme Court is considering a case which will shorten to the word Dobbs. That's one of the people involved in the case. Uh, The Dobbs case arising from Mississippi. Uh, It's a case in which the Supreme Court could, given its conservative majority, overthrow Roe v. Wade. And you know that just a week ago from when I'm recording this podcast, somebody working in the Supreme Court, possibly for one of the more left-leaning justices, that's what makes sense anyway, but an investigation is underway, uh, leaked. Justice Alito's opinion in the matter, which could be intended as the court's ultimate ruling. We don't know that. Uh, We're still quite a ways away from release of that information. Uh, But somebody fearing that Alito's conservative view, which did in fact overthrow Roe v. Wade, uh, would be the majority opinion. And so they leaked it. And they leaked it, quite obviously, to generate exactly the kind of public outcry that's happening now and to intimidate the conservative justices. I believe the person who did leak it should be disbarred if they're a lawyer and should be prosecuted. But that's not what I'm talking about now. And that's the current state of things. The court is deliberating. There are protests and riots in the streets. And people are trying to push back on the court. Uh, The Biden administration, of course, couldn't be any more strongly pro-abortion than it is and is saying that it will work to codify, along with Nancy Pelosi and Democrats on the Hill, work to codify Roe v. Wade into the law so that it's not a matter of the court's decision, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In this podcast, though you know my views, I think, I want to go after one issue that is critically important for what's happening now. And whatever happens, whatever takes place, whatever the court's ruling, whatever the trajectory for abortion in America, I want you to remember this one thing. Roe v. Wade is just bad law. And that's why it has tormented the United States so much since 1973 when the Supreme Court issued that ruling. It's bad law. 
even those who have supported abortion in America. High-ranking justices who have supported abortion in America have said it's bad law. It's a bad law. Now, let me tell you a little bit of why. And again, this is not me being a pro-lifer attacking the law. This is me telling you what people uh, who are even pro-abortion, justices who are even pro-abortion have said. Uh, Roe v. Wade arose from Texas. You, most of you know the story. And the Supreme Court ruled, Justice Brennan issuing the majority opinion. And it was bad law from top to bottom. It drew its justification from the right to privacy codified in the Constitution. Now, the right to privacy that we are guaranteed in the Constitution, you probably know, arose from circumstances having to do with the British colonies and oppression of the British crown and parliament and things like the Quartering Act where so British soldiers were f forcibly quartered in the homes of colonials and their papers were searched and their houses were ransacked and they didn't have that kind of privacy. Well, in Roe v. Wade in 1973, Justice Brennan and the court majority established the fact that this right to privacy extends to the unborn, even though biologically it's very obvious, very clear, very certain that, that an unborn child in the womb is a separate human being. It's, it's, it's obvious. And, you know, if I could change that, I would, because that would solve the abortion problem in America. If, if, it, if a woman could conceive a child and somehow we could take it out of the womb safely and healthily and, and cause it to live uh, in an incubated situation or in another woman or something, that would probably solve the situation for the most part, because that's that's what abortion's all about. That's what we're dealing with. Back to my issue. The issue is that the, that the court drew out of the right to privacy codified in the Constitution its justification for abortion. It said at the time, and listen to this language, that this ruling had emanated, uh, was, had, was, was found in the emanations of the penumbras of the law. This means basically the spirit of the law, the, 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 the wafting smell of the, of the law, the aura of the law. Not in a hardcore uh, case, not, 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 in, not in, uh, in any kind of uh, firm ruling, not even in common law. Common law, by the way, had been opposed to abortion, as had, as had uh, many, many earlier laws in the Western canon. But the Supreme Court said that this concept of privacy was found in the emanations of the penumbras of the law. It's a famous quote, and it shows how far the court was reaching and trying to justify its ruling, not with case law, not with precedent, but with the wisp, the, the, the breeze, the belch of, of the law in a certain direction. It was atrocious. And, and, and law professors the world over have laughed at that justification for the ruling. That's number one. Number two, the court divided a pregnancy into trimesters. Now, that, that's a way you can speak of a, of a pregnancy, uh, given that it's nine months and trimesters is, it would be three three-month trimesters, and it all sounds very mathematical and nice and neat. But uh, experts, OBGYNs, medical doctors will tell you that trimesters don't have much to do with the biology of what's going on in a pregnancy. And doctors rarely speak that way anymore. Now, I'm not an MD, so I'm not going to act like I know what I'm doing in this area. But the court's division of pregnancies into trimesters and then issuing different laws per trimester, applying to each trimester differently, 
is folly. Because biologically, a pregnancy doesn't fall neatly into trimesters. It's not like at three months, a certain thing happens in the life of a fetus or a child in the womb. And therefore, the laws should be different. It's not as though at that point, the eyes open or the child's breathing differently. It's, you know, it's just not the case. So the, the wispy justification for this law, Roe v. Wade, uh, and the emanations of the penumbras of the law, and the un- lack of medical fact informing the division of the pregnancy into trimesters, was just bad law. And it has tormented our country ever since. Even those, as I say, who are pro-abortion and are, who are justices and legal scholars recognize it was bad law. So it's, it's been, the fear has been for those who are pro-abortion that it would be overthrown because it's bad law. How many times am I going to say that in this podcast? It's just bad law. Even if you're pro-abortion, we need a better law. And if you're opposed to abortion, then obviously Roe v. Wade not only does violence to your view of abortion, but again, it's bad law. So now we've got a country tormenting itself over this, but let me make sure that we're all clear on what's going to happen here. If indeed the conservative majority of the U.S. Supreme Court does indeed overthrow Roe v. Wade and basically remove it, remove abortion as a federal mandate, a federal requirement from the Supreme Court, all that happens is that abortion rolls back to the states where I contend it should have been left in the first place. If we had not had the Roe v. Wade ruling, you would have had a patchwork of state laws. Yes, people who want abortion who live in a state that doesn't allow abortion would have to go to another state and get an abortion. It was that way in 73. And it's probably, if I understand correctly, and if the Alito ruling is any indication, it's probably what's going to happen again. But that's where you want these things to be decided. That's the only way our republic works. If each state being closer to the people, having having different regions, different value systems, perhaps uh, a different different demography, can hold different views, and yet we're all within the same union. I mean, that's the way it is on a huge number of things. That's the way it is on gun laws. That's the way it is on public schools. That's the way it is on taxation. I don't, I don't pay taxes in Virginia. I'm sitting here in Virginia right now, just outside of D.C. I don't pay taxes in Virginia that you may pay in your state. We, you don't launch an American revolution based on that. You recognize it as a different tax structure for different states because we believe in federalism, because we believe the states ought to have the authority to differ from each other. What doesn't work is a one-size-fits-all federal mandate that throws aside state laws, and that basically binds people against their, con- against their conscience in these matters. If California has abortion up, uh, full term and Texas doesn't allow abortion at all, well, then some folks might need to change where they live or they might need to travel to another place uh, based on the services they can get. This goes on all the time. People go to certain states to hunt because they can't hunt in other states or they carry certain weapons in their, their rifle, their, their gun rack and their, in the window of their pickup truck in Texas. You can't, you go to jail for that in New York. You understand what I'm saying. The whole idea of America is government at the, at the, clo- at the n- level nearest the people is what allows 
for the best government and what allows for the maximum freedom. There is no such thing as perfect freedom. There is no such thing as a perfect law. The problem with Roe v. Wade, yes, as a pro-lifer, I'll say, is that it overthrew about 36 state laws. But the bigger issue is, have I said it enough times? It's bad law. It's almost unenforceable. And it's been the law of the land since 1973. I mean, just consider how long that's been. So now the court might overthrow it. And we can get our all upset because there's a conservative majority. I'm talking about those on the other side, on the left. Get upset because there's a conservative majority. Get upset because Trump appointed a number of justices. Get upset because we think this is some kind of white Christian nationalist conspiracy. The bottom line is that people of every ethnicity, every color, every age, every generation, every race hold pro-life and pro-abortion views. The only way it works in a democracy is if you allow a republic in which different states, different localities can have different laws based on local mores. The court through the years have ruled, has ruled that way according uh, about pornography and, as I say, about guns and about a host of other things. Let it be decided at the most local level. So this is what we need to keep in mind. We're about to have a great deal of national tension about abortion. It's due. It was coming because Roe v. Wade is bad law. I'll say that one more time, then I won't say it again. And because this issue is critical. Some of us consider abortion to be murder, other than in a very few cases, a few categories, and others consider it to be a right, an absolute inviolable right, a natural right. And obviously there's going to be conflict over that. How do we keep from having to split the country down the middle and send everybody who's pro-life to one side of the country and everybody who's pro-abortion to the other? You allow the decision to be made by the most local governments. That's the greatness of America, and that's the only way it's going to work. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.